If you have a Bible, you want to turn to Matthew chapter 1, Matthew chapter 1, and uh, we're going to be looking at that. But thank you, choir. We do appreciate that so much. That's special and uh, fantastic job. So thank you. And uh, what a way to start Christmas. We've got some more special music and uh, events happening a little later in the service. But I want to talk a little bit about Mary and Joseph before we get there and, and just the dilemmas they faced. Have you ever noticed that uh, Christmas, though it's an exciting time of the year, it, it has lots of dilemmas and decisions and difficulties and you have to have to decide what you're going to do? Uh, I think Christmas is a little bit like that. You have to decide, well, if if he buys me a present, I better buy a present too. But if he doesn't buy a present, I don't want to buy a present because that would make him feel bad. And you got that dilemma. Anybody ever have that one? Oh, yeah, a few of you, yeah. And, uh, you know, where are we going to go this year? Are they going to come to our house or are we going to their house? It's the in-laws and the outlaws and who all is going to be there and... You know, those are dilemmas that we face at Christmas. I remember when Darlene and I were first married. Her parents lived in southern Oregon. My parents lived in southern Oregon. And whose house did you go to on Christmas Eve? And whose house did you go to Christmas morning? Well, my parents had made it easy because years before we celebrated Christmas on Christmas Eve so they could sleep in on Christmas morning. I think that was the reason they did it. But uh, because of that, we were able to... Uh, go to my parents' house, and uh, then uh, we'd go home to Darlene's folks' house, and we'd spend time with them. We'd get in about 2 in the morning, you know, we'd come in about 2 in the morning. Darlene's mom would still be in up, and she would go, Darlene would go wake up her dad. Wake up, Daddy, it's Christmas. You know, he's 2 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, right. And they would come out, and we'd have Christmas, and then later on, the kids and the grandkids would all show up, and it was a great time. But you have to decide what you're going to do. There are those dilemmas. Well, that was kind of, I think, what it was that first Christmas. There were dilemmas, and that's what we're going to be talking about this week, uh, today, and also on Monday night when we talk about a different uh, characters that are all part of Christmas. What were the dilemmas that they had? What were the decisions the word dilemma i looked it up it means it's defined as a difficult situation or a problem i know none of you have difficult situations and problems on christmas that's not an issue in your your life is it uh, everything goes so smooth and so perfect but it wasn't that way uh, necessarily that first christmas I, I think of the shepherds we're going to have a shepherd sharing with us tomorrow night but the shepherds heard the news. An angel came to them and he said, wow, baby's been born and he's the king of the Jews. He's your Messiah and he's right down there in Bethlehem. And they had to make a decision. Do we leave the sheep and go down and see some baby? And then later on they had to make a decision. Who do we tell and who's going to believe us? Because you see, the shepherds weren't very believable. And they weren't very honest and they weren't highly respected. And so they had kind of a dilemma at that point. Uh, we think of the innkeeper. Now, the Bible really doesn't talk about an innkeeper. It, it speaks to the fact that Mary and Joseph came to Bethlehem and there was no room in the inn. It doesn't talk about the innkeeper, but it just kind of insinuates there must have been one. Somebody had to be there to tell him that the place was full. What would he do? Here he had all of, <laughs> all of these people coming, and one after another he was saying, oh, it's full. It's full, no room, no room. Till that pregnant lady came. 
We're going to hear about that dilemma tomorrow night. What did the innkeeper do? How would he respond to something like that? And then the wise men, of course, they had to decide, do you travel a thousand miles to see a baby? You know, we can just go down the street. Somebody's going to have a baby. That this was supposed to be a special one. But they weren't Jews. They weren't Israelites. So the dilemma. It is going to be well worth being here tomorrow night. But today I want to talk about Joseph and then Mary and just the, the dilemma that they had. And let me begin by reading in, in Matthew, the uh, first chapter. If you have your Bibles, open them there. Uh, if you don't have a Bible and you would like one, uh, one of our men will make sure you have one so you can follow along. Just raise your hand if you'd like to have a Bible so you can follow this morning. Anybody here? Got one, couple of them. One over here. There's one right there. Arthur had his hand out and you missed it. I saw that. You just grabbed it, snatched it away from him. David, we got to talk about your Christmas spirit. Okay. Matthew, first book of the uh, New Testament. And uh, in this first chapter, we find the story of how Matthew found out or how Joseph found out about the uh, birth of Jesus. Let me read uh, beginning with verse 18 on through to the end of the chapter, verse 25. It says, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with the child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what had been spoken uh, by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep, and he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took Mary as his wife, but he kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. You know, I, I think of Joseph, and uh, he was probably like a lot of people who lived around that area. He was a man whose life was set. He, he probably had it all planned out. Everything was going to work out just the way he thought it should. He lived in a little town called Nazareth. It was about... 12 miles to the southwest of, of the Sea of Galilee, and it was up in the hills, and it was kind of a mix of Gentiles and Jews. It didn't have the best reputation. And uh, I read one article that said it was probably about 400 people. Another said it was, oh, 12 to 1,400. But either way, it was a small enough town that Joseph probably knew everybody, and everybody knew Joseph, and I would imagine he had a great reputation. And uh, people looked at Joe and said, oh, he's such a great young man. And so he lived there in that town. His parents probably raised him there, and I would expect he planned to raise his family there. Now, we know he was of the house of David, and he had to be registered in Bethlehem, so he went down there for registration. But uh, I kind of think the family lived up there in, in Nazareth. It was a safe place, and uh, he was comfortable there. I would imagine he also knew a young woman by the name of Mary. 
because they both lived in the same town. In fact, if they were about the same age, I wouldn't be surprised, but what their mothers took them to the well when they went to draw water, and they would play together as little ones. And maybe he was a little older. The Bible doesn't tell us the age. Uh, People have the idea that he was an older man with children. The, The Bible doesn't say that. It simply says that he was betrothed. And what they would do back then was they would arrange the marriage. And I can just see these two moms. You know, you can picture young moms, can't you? They go to the well. They sit there together. They're talking. They're watching their kids. and say, oh, wouldn't it be wonderful if they got married someday and we had grandchildren by them? And all of a sudden they thought, well, we can make that happen. Let's arrange it. And so in the wedding of, of the Jew, it would be arranged. And so possibly and probably Joseph knew that he was going to marry Mary. And just as his parents had had children, they would have children, and they would raise them, and they would have grandchildren. We also know that Joseph was a carpenter. His father was a guy by the name of Jacob, and I would imagine his father was a carpenter, and he had trained Joseph from the time he was a young boy to be a carpenter. Now, a carpenter in those days was simply a builder. He might work with block. He might work with stone. But primarily he would work with wood and maybe the beams that would go into the house that would hold up the roof or um, oftentimes in a shop, smaller things like furniture and cabinets and and the kind of things that we wouldn't have in our homes today. And so uh, that was Joseph's background. And I'm sure that Joseph looked at life and life looked good. He was going to get married. He was going to have a family. He was going to raise him there. He had his goals set out. Everything was in place. And then the dilemma, then the issue. We're told in Luke that Mary suddenly left town. Now, I don't know. It says they were betrothed. And just so you'll understand the betrothal, the, the engagement or the, the arrangement was made earlier by the parents. There was an arrangement of the dowry and all those kinds of things. But at the betrothal, it was official. It was like a wedding today. They signed a certificate. It was there. And uh, so he knew he was going to marry Mary. The only difference in terms of the commitment in the marriage between or between the marriage and the, the betrothal was that they didn't live together. They didn't consummate the relationship. They were pure during that time. And if one or the other was caught to be unfaithful, poof, that was the end of it all. But Mary wouldn't be unfaithful. She was such a wonderful young girl. She, she would never do that. And then the dilemma, you know, it it comes in those perfect situations where everything's falling into place. It's kind of like a Hallmark Christmas movie. You know, everything's going perfectly, and then one or the other has a problem. Mary suddenly left town. They were already betrothed. I don't know how long they had been betrothed. Usually it lasted a year during that time, the the groom would be at home and he would be building a house this is where he and his bride would live and she was home getting the wedding finery done and and preparing she had to get all of the clothes done and and she left and i have an idea she didn't say much to him she was going to see her cousin elizabeth now elizabeth was much older but she went and she was there for about three months and she came home she went, and I don't know how, Mo, how Joseph found out whether Mary went to him or someone else told him. 
I would imagine maybe Mary went down and said, Joseph, I've got news. Joseph, I'm pregnant. And usually a young couple that's going to be, or they're married, they get excited, don't they? Yeah, we're going to have a baby. <laughs> Unless they weren't planning that. And, and so they were, should have been excited, but Mary was not supposed to have a baby. She hadn't been with Joseph. And, and he said, well, who's the father? And she said, God. Mary didn't lie very often, and here she was lying. Because even today, people don't believe in the virgin birth. That's the reason a lot of people can't accept Christianity is because they can't handle the virgin birth. Verse 18 of Matthew 1, it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, and maybe they were getting close to the wedding date. I don't know. I kind of have an idea that was the case. Before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And for Joseph, that left him with a dilemma because he had everything planned out. He and Mary were going to get married. They were going to have children. They were going to live in their home. He was going to work. He was going to train his sons to be carpenters like himself. And now she was pregnant. He had some choices. One choice was to get married, but that wouldn't work out very well. Because he wasn't the father. And another was to simply divorce her and put her away and they would go their opposite directions and he wouldn't make a big thing of it. A third one would be to take her out and vengefully say, she's pregnant. I want you all to know that this is what Mary's done to me. Or if he really wanted to get vengeful, he could have her stoned according to the law of the Jews. It's hard. How do you make those decisions? Verse 19 tells us a lot about Joseph. It says, Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man. That means he was right before God. He, he was one who followed the law. He was one who loved the Lord. Being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her. And this is where the dilemma came. Because you see, being a righteous man, he couldn't marry Mary. That would simply say that, yeah, he was the one that had done this. And he hadn't, and so he couldn't do that. I mean, what would that do to him in the community? What would that do to his business in a Jewish community? He couldn't marry her, but on the other hand, he didn't want to hold her up to ridicule. That's really what it's saying. I, I, I think, you know, I'm not one who was there, but I have an idea he truly loved Mary. He didn't want to disgrace her. It says he didn't want to put her before the face of everyone else. And he planned to send her away secretly. According to the law of Moses, a man could simply give his betrothed a right of divorcement. Here it is, signed by two witnesses, and she's gone and he's gone. And that's the end of it. And that was Joseph's decision. That was what he was going to do. And I would imagine at this point, Joseph was devastated. We can only imagine what his feelings were like. First, there would be anger. And, and, and I want to get even. And then depression and what happened to my life and what's happened to Mary and how can this be? And the hurt and the pain. And Joseph made his decision. He would put her away. 
privately. It's interesting, in Proverbs 16:9, Joseph was a man with plans, but it says, the mind of a man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. God has a different plan, and, and it doesn't always follow along with our plans. We get so set on what we're going to do. This is what I'm doing until this point in my life, and then I'll do this, and then I'll do this, and it has to do with how old my kids are, and when they graduate, and when I get through with this job, and... God knows the plans better than we do. Listen to verses 20 to 23. It says, But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. I guess Joseph went to sleep on it. He didn't tell Mary what he was going to do yet. It says, An angel appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Oh, she will bear a son. And Joseph, you're going to be that earthly father. You shall call him his name Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. You go back to the book of Isaiah. And the uh, the seventh chapter, and we see these prophecies as they're laid out in Scripture in in Isaiah chapter seven. It was written about seven hundred years before the coming of Jesus Christ. Isaiah seven chapter fourteen, it says, "Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign, and behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will be call- and you shall call his or she will call his name." Emmanuel, and we just saw that that simply meant God is with us. Over in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7, it, it makes this statement. It says, a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Oh, and there's going to be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. You know, there's always going to be questions for us. The issue is, how do we respond? You respond to what you want and what you plan or to what God plans. And we're going to talk in a few minutes about how we determine that. But I think sometimes it's very easy to get caught up with what we want, what we expect. And boy, when it doesn't turn out just our way, we get so uptight. We get so frustrated. And sometimes it's just saying man plans his ways, but God determines his steps. And Joseph found out, and he found out that it wasn't always going to be easy. It wasn't going to be simply simple raising the Son of God. He was going to have a king that was going to try and kill his child and he would have to run to Egypt and then he'd come back and the king's son would try and kill his child and he'd run to Nazareth again. But he protected him and he watched over him because he was a good dad. And he trained him just like he would any other son and he became a carpenter, Jesus, a builder. And ultimately, he gave his life and built into our lives. I'm going to ask Steve if he would come at this time and and share with us.
starlight shines the night is still shepherds watching from a hill I close my eyes to see the night when love was born a perfect child gently waits a mother bends to kiss God's face I close my eyes to see the night when love was born Joseph had a dilemma. What about Mary? <laughs> Think about what it would be like. You're going to get married, and, and you're preparing, and you've got the bridal gown, and everything else is ready, and your husband's out there, and he's, he's built this new home, and you're going to go live in it, and it's fantastic, and all of a sudden, an angel shows up. And he says, guess what? Everything's changing. I, I wondered what I would be like if I were Joseph and my fiance came and said, oh, by the way, Andy, guess what? I'm pregnant. I'm not sure I would have handled it nearly as well as Joseph. I don't think I would have. Here was Mary. She was getting married. She, like Joseph, had plans. She'd probably known him for quite a while. Maybe she really looked up to Joseph. She loved him. He was, he was stable. He was solid. He was going to be a good dad. He was going to be a good husband. 
And, and you have to realize how old Mary was. The average age for a wedding for a girl at that point was somewhere between about 12 and 16. If you got into 16, you were kind of getting to be an old maid. Where's the guys? <laughs> they were probably all taken and arranged for, unless, of course, there was a widower or something. So Mary, I would guess she was probably around 14. We can put her there. Today I looked it up. The average woman gets married in America at about 27. That's a big difference, isn't it? I'll tell you, at 14, I wasn't ready to get married. <laughs> ah, that would have been a bad situation. And, and I, I looked it up. If you were in Idaho today, you'd get married at 23. They kind of marry them off a little earlier District of Columbia, 29.7, 30 years of age is the average age for a girl. Men men are about 29 in America. So there was a big difference here. We look at this, and, and ages were different, and things weren't exactly the same. And so here was Mary, and she was prepared to get married, and it was exciting, and she was planning for it, and all of a sudden, there's this angel. Let me read to you from Luke uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. And we're going to be reading from the 26th verse up through the 38th verse. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee called Nazareth. And we already know that Nazareth was not a big town. It was a small town. It was a town that had a poor reputation, we're told, when Jesus was going out and he was calling people to follow him, the question came up, can any good thing come from Nazareth? He was uh, sent to, from God to, the, to Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph. They were betrothed. They were of the descendants of David. And this was a good thing because that meant he was of, of the kingly line. In fact, we know that if you study the lineage of him, that he was actually of the line of Solomon. Uh, he could have been king. There was a very good chance he would have been king if things had been different. Herod wouldn't have been. He was a pretender. He shouldn't have even been on the throne at all. But Joseph had that right, which meant that Jesus, being the oldest in the family, would be next in line, the line of David. You remember the promise was that there would be one who would come, and he would be king of the Jews, and he would be forever. It was not to be a short-term thing. It was to be eternal, and so that's where he was. Uh, Mary was also of the uh, line of David, but her, her descendant was not Solomon. She was through Nathan, another son of David's, and so uh, she really wasn't in the kingly line. But when you think of them both being from David's line, both of them registered in Bethlehem, that's where they would have to go. This was kind of a marriage made in heaven, wasn't it? In more ways than one. God put it together. The right people. He had already planned this. The virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, this is the angel, he said, greetings or kind of blessings, favored one, the one who has received God's blessing, the one who is receiving the grace of God. The Lord is with you, Mary. And I want you to remember that phrase because it's such an important phrase for Mary's life. It's an important phrase for your life and mine too. Because when we're going through those dilemmas and we're trying to make decisions and we're going through hard times, we need to realize that Jesus said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll always be there and you're not going to be alone. And Mary, you're not going to be alone either. And she was very perplexed. 
She was confused over this is the idea and this statement, and she kept thinking about it. She kept pondering it. It says, going over it in her mind, what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. Do you think you'd be afraid if an angel showed up in your room? I, I thought about it. What if I came in here one day, turned on the lights one night when it was dark about 10 o'clock at night, and there he is standing there, this big guy. He doesn't necessarily have wings. It doesn't say that they have wings. And there he was. I, I think I'd be a little anxious. I'd be anxious if he, if he wasn't a sh- <laughs> an angel. Don't be afraid, Mary. You've found favor with God. You have found God's grace. And I want you to know something. Grace is not based on how good Mary was. We like to think of Mary as this perfect girl. Oh, she didn't have any problem. I'll tell you what, that probably isn't true. I think Mary might have been a little bit of a live wire here and there and going this way and that way and kept her parents running a little bit. Mary found favor with God. She found that free gift that God gives by his choice. Not because Mary was perfect, although I think she was a good person. I think she was righteous just as Joseph was, but not perfect. And the angel said, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And she was probably thinking, Yeah, I'm going to do that someday when I get married. And it says, You shall name him Jesus He will be great. Mega. That's the whole issue. He's going to be fantastic. He's going to be great. And he's going to be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob. Not for just a short time. I've been going through reading the judges. And some of them would reign for 20 years or 40 years. Not very long. It was a limited amount of time. But when it talks about Jesus, he's going to reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have no end. And Mary said to the angel, and I'm sure this is a question we would all kind of think. How can this be? That, that It isn't logical since I'm a virgin. I've never had a relationship with a man. I, I, I won't until I get married. How, how can this happen? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow or envelop you and for that reason the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God, not simply the Son of Joseph. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. And here's the key. And we have to remember it. We've already said God will never leave you. He's going to be with you. And now it says nothing will be impossible with God. People who struggle with a virgin birth struggle with it because they can't understand how a child can be conceived without the relationship between a man and a woman. And what they fail to realize is this is talking about the Almighty, the one who created us, the one who created the universe. And anything is possible with God. People struggle with stories in the Bible and, oh, they must be a myth. It's just something that was made up. It's not real. And yet when you begin to realize who is in control, all of those things are possible because of who God is. 
She had a dilemma. She said, I'm a virgin. <laughs> the angel took care of that. I'm betrothed to, betrothed to Joseph. And the angel responded, nothing is impossible with God. Verse 38, I love Mary's response. This is what God expects of us. Even when he changes our plans, even when we have our life laid out, Mary was going to have, she was going to be married, and then she was going to have babies, and she was going to raise them, and she was going to go to the well just as her mother had, and she was going to take care of the house, and then she would have grandchildren, and she would live with Joseph all of her life. And this broke into her life. It changed everything. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord. I'm a servant of God. That's what she said. May it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And I would imagine this was a difficult decision for Mary to simply say, Yeah, I'll do that. I think that was hard. I, I would imagine she thought a little bit about what the townspeople would say because if she came in and pregnant and she wasn't married, there are going to be some pointing their fingers and talking and talking behind her back and critical and look at Mary. Look at what she did. How would her family accept it? I, I would imagine Mary was close to her mom and close to her dad. She wasn't that old, 12, 14 years of age, 16 maybe. What's mom going to say? I'll, I'll tell her that it's by the Holy Spirit, but will she believe me? Probably not. But Joseph, if she had known him a long time, she possibly loved him, she cared about him. They were going to get married, she would disappoint Joseph. What would Joseph say? How would he respond? I'm not sure it was so easy for Mary to make that decision and simply say yes. It's, it, it goes quickly here in the Bible. But if it were me, I would want to think about it. Can I sleep on it before I give you an answer? She simply said yes. Are we willing to be that obedient to God when his plans may be different than ours? It's a hard question. I, I think God did something that was very special for Mary. Her cousin Elizabeth, who was much older, we don't know, maybe a second or third cousin, uh, was also pregnant. And she was living in a different part of, of Judea. She was with her husband, who was a, a, a priest, and, and she was called barren until all of a sudden the angel came to her husband, Zacharias. He was there in the temple. That's where angels should go, isn't it? Not Nazareth. They ought to go to the temple. They ought to be with the priest. Anyway, he came and, the, and Zacharias says, you've got to be kidding me. We're too old to have kids. It was their prayer. It was what they wanted. And so you remember that story, how the angel made it so he couldn't speak. And he couldn't tell anybody what had happened in there. He came out and he, he couldn't share. He, he wrote some things down. And he went home to his wife, and Elizabeth was now pregnant, and so Mary went there. You know, the amazing thing is Elizabeth would understand better than anybody because she was going to have a miraculous child too. It was by Zacharias, but it was miraculous. Listen to verse 39. It says, now at that time Mary rose, and she went in a hurry to the hill country. She left everybody. She just took off. I'm pregnant. I'm not sticking around. She went to the city of Judah. 
and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greetings, she confirmed everything for Mary. She said, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she cried out with a loud voice, and she said, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has this happened to me? (laughs) For the mother of my Lord would come to me. Oh, it's real, Mary. I would guess that she wrote a note home to Mary's folks and said, you know, this is what happened to me, and this is why I know it's true, except Mary. I don't know that that happened, but I would guess it would because she understood it. She realized what what had happened. And, you know, I think God is so good when he gives us somebody like that, and it confirms where we are. And she was an encouragement to Mary. And, you know, when God has a plan... He brings it to fruition, he completes it, and he gives us the resources and the abilities abilities to deal with it. What do you do when God changes everything? What do you do when you've got to go home to your fiancé and tell him you're pregnant, and how do you explain that? What do we do when we have to make choices? All of a sudden, circumstances change. We need to find where we fit. How how do we do that? One thing, the first thing is you find out what God says about it. What is your circumstance? What's going on? You find out what God said right here. If it's confirmed that you should do that in the Word, then you do it. If it isn't confirmed or it gives you the idea you shouldn't do it, you don't do it. Bible says all scripture is inspired by God. It's profitable for teaching and reproof, correction, training in righteousness. It gives us answers to our lives. It gives us answers to our dilemmas, whatever you're going through today. You know, it says in, in Psalms 119, 105, it says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And so it gives us direction when you have that dilemma. Mary had it from an angel. Joseph had it from an angel. They went ahead and they got married. And then they went to Bethlehem. And I think that was good too. I think that was all part of God's plan. In, in Matthew it says he took her as his wife. And so maybe they were close to the marriage anyway, the time of the wedding. And they were married. And then they went on down. But he didn't consummate the marriage until after the baby was born. Because in Luke it says that they were engaged. So it, uh, to put that together, that's where it is. But... God had a plan. And when he took Mary down there to have the baby in Bethlehem, that was where it was prophesied Jesus would come from. But it also took her out of town for at least two years, three years. There weren't people pointing the fingers. There weren't people condemning them for what had happened. And God has a plan, and he works those things out. The second thing you do is you pray about it. I think it's so important that we come to the Lord and and, uh, seek his will and and what he desires. Back in the book of of Jeremiah, there is is a great verse. The the message was for Jeremiah in the context. It isn't necessarily aimed at us, but certainly the principle carries through today. And in Jeremiah 33, in the third verse, it says, Call to me and I will answer you. And I will tell you great and mighty things which you do not know. You see, when you have decisions to make, do you pray about it? 
I think a, a third thing you do, you, you look to the Word, you spend time in prayer, you seek out wise counsel in the book of Proverbs, in the uh, 15th chapter of, of Proverbs, in the 22nd verse. It says, without consultation, plans are frustrated, but with many counselors, they succeed. And I remember when I felt that God wanted me to go into the ministry, I uh, went to the man I respected the most uh, beside my parents. And, and so I would suggest if you're making plans to change jobs, change locations, any major issue that's coming up in your life, you, uh, you talk to a good counselor. Don't just talk to people that are buddies and they're going to tell you what you want to hear because that's all they'll do and they won't necessarily give you good advice. And don't talk to people that are going to be overly, <laughs> I don't know, super religious that think they have all the answers because they probably won't give you very good advice either. But go to a counselor that you can accept and sit down and say, what do you think about this? I, um, I remember my friend Reuben, he was probably in his late 50s when I went in the ministry, and I said, you know, it means I, I quit my job, I take my wife, I get out of Medford, I move up to Portland, then wherever God sends us. Do you think this is right for me? He'd kind of been discipling me and working with me, and he said, yeah, I think it's good. He'd have others that would come and ask him the same thing, and he said, no, I don't think that's for you. He was honest. Seek out wise counsel. Look at your circumstances. What do they say? What has God placed you in? And, and then I think there's a little bit of what do you want to do? God gives us the desires of our heart, it says, and I, I believe if he's going to make changes in your heart and in your life and everything else that's going to go on, he's going to change your heart in terms of what you want. Luke chapter 1, verse 28 Mary responded, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me. I know my life is changing. The world's turned upside down. Everything's going to be different. May it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. That's the first thing to realize about Christmas. It's not just about a baby in a manger. We get so caught up with the baby in the manger. Oh, it's so cute. He came to be a savior. He came to go to the cross. And then God has plans for us. I really believe it. And they're better than our plans. They aren't always easy. Sometimes they're difficult, the decisions we have to make but they're in keeping with what we understand is God's will for us. And we make those decisions based on that. Mary and Joseph, man, they faced big dilemmas. They had big questions. What would happen? What was going to take place? And God gave them the answers, and it changed the world. I'm going to ask Michelle if she, or Juliet. i got to get that right. And ask Juliet if she would come and sing for us. She's not behind me. There she is. All right.
child prays for peace on earth and she's calling out from a sea of hurt oh come oh come emmanuel and can you hear the angel Let's pray, shall we? Father, we come today and we just thank you for, oh, the blessing of Christmas. We find it a a joyful time, a a time of encouragement, a, a time to be lifted up. 
And for some, it's a hard time. Some, it's a difficult time. There have been losses, decisions that have made. Some of the decisions were good and some not so good. And so Christmas can be hard sometimes. I pray that those individuals you would lift up and that all of us, we would celebrate and worship together just as the wise men came and laid their gifts before Jesus that we might lay our lives out before you as a true gift, just as Jesus laid his life out and gave us the gift of eternal life. Thank you, Father. Bless, Father, our, our family here today, tomorrow, and on Christmas and throughout the following week and the rest of the year. Thank you, Father, for your love and your care for each and every one of us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.